Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. We are in Silver City, and it looks looks like the feed internet speed might be a little low. So it looks like some. I don't think I can do anything about that. Well, anyway, we are here. It's a beautiful morning down here, about 75 degrees or so. We'll be heading over to the memorial service shortly after this, so we have enough time to go through this together. So we don't have a lot of time. So we're going to go ahead and uh, just pray and get right into the Word this morning. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing us together, God. We just ask that you would guide us in your word. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. As you can see, we're in Second Kings now, moving through fast, 1 through 3, and James 1. So beginning with Second Kings now, it says, Now Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab, and Azaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber, which was in Samaria, and had become ill. He sent messengers and said to them, Go inquire of Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron, whether I will recover from this sickness. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, Is it because there is no god in Israel that you are going to inquire Baal-zebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, You shall not come down from the bed where you have gone up, but you shall surely die. Then Elijah departed. When the messengers returned to him and said to him, Why have you returned? They said to him, A man came up to meet us and said to us, Go return to the king who sent you and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Baal-zebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed where you have gone up, but shall surely die. He said to them, What kind of man was he who came up to meet you and spoke these words to you? They answered, He was a hairy man with a leather girdle bound about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Then the king sent to him a captain of fifty with his fifty. And he went up to him, and behold, he was sitting on top of the hill. And he said to him, O man of God, the king says come down elijah replied to the captain of 50 if i am a man of god let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50 then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50 so he again sent to him another captain of 50 with his 50 and he said to him O man of god thus says the king come down quickly elijah replied to them if i am a man of god let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then the fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. So he again sent the captain of a, of a third fifty with his fifty. Then the third captain of the fifty came up. He came up and bowed down on his knees before Elijah and begged him and said to him, O man of God, please let my life and the lives of these fifty servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the first two captains of fifty with their fifty, but now let my life be precious in your sight. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him 
to the king, and he said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore you shall not come down from your bed where you have gone up, but shall surely die. So Azaziah died according to the word of the Lord, which Elijah had spoken. And because he had no son, Jehoram became king in his place. In the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, now the rest of the acts of Azaziah, which he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? And it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. And Elisha said to him, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, Yes, I know. Be still. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho, and the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be still. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now, fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them, at a distance, and while the two of them stood by the Jordan, Elisha took his mantle and folded it together and struck the water. And they were divided here and there, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, nevertheless. If you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. As they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his clothing and tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he also struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho opposite him saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. They said to him, Behold now, there are with your servants fifty strong men. Please let us go and search for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has taken him up and cast him on some mountain or into some valley. And he said, You shall not send. But when they urged him until he was ashamed, he said, Send. They sent therefore fifty men, and they searched three days, but did not find him. 
They returned to him while he was staying at Jericho. And he said to him, Did I not say to you, Do not go? Then the men of this city said to Elijah, Behold now, the situation in this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees. But the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. So he said, Bring me a new jar, and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. He went out to the spring of water, and threw salt in it, and said, Thus says the Lord, I have purified these waters. There shall not be from their death or unfruitfulness any longer. So the waters have been purified to this day, according to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. Then he went up from there to Bethel. And as he was going up by the way, young lads came down from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. When he looked behind him and saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord Then two female bears came out from the woods and tore up the 42 lads and their number. He went from there to Mount Carmel, and from there he returned to Samaria. Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. And he reigned 12 years. He did evil in the sight of the Lord, though not like his father and his mother. For he put away the sacred pillar of Baal, which his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. Now, Misha, king of Moab, was a sheep breeder and used to pay the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and wool of 100,000 rams. But when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. And King Joram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. Then he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go up with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as you are, my horses as your horses. He said, Which way shall we go? And he answered, The way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went up with the king of Jordan and the king of Edom, and they made a circuit of seven days journey and there was no water for the army or the cattle that followed them then the king of israel said alas for the lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of moab but jehoshaphat said is there not a prophet from the lord here that we may inquire of the lord by him and one of the kings of israel's servants answered and said elisha the son of shaphat is here who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now Elisha said to the king of Israel, What do I have to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. And the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to give them into the hand of Moab. Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives, for whom I stand, were it not for that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. But now bring me a minstrel. And it came about that when the minstrel played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of trenches. For thus says the Lord, You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you shall drink, both you and your cattle and your beasts. This is but a slight thing. 
in the sight of the Lord, and he will also give the Moabites into your hand. Then you shall strike every fortified city and every choice city and fell every good tree and stop all the springs of water and mar every good piece of land with stones. It happened in the morning about the time of offering of the sacrifice that behold, water came by the way of Edom and the country was filled with water. Now all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them and all who were able to put on armor and older were summoned and stood at the border. They rose early in the morning and the sun shone on the water and the Moabites saw the water opposite them as red as blood. Then they said, this is blood. The kings have surely fought together and they have slain one another. Now they're from Moab to the spoil. But when they came to the camp of Israel, the Israelites arose and struck the Moabites so that they fled before them. And they went forward into the land, slaughtering the Moabites. Thus they destroyed the city, and each one threw a stone on every piece of good land and filled it. So they stopped all the springs of water and felled all the good trees, and per Harasheth only they left its stones. However, these slingers went about it and struck it. When the king of Moab saw the battle, was too fierce for him. He took with him 700 men who drew the sword to break through to the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his oldest son, who was to reign in his place, and offered him as a burnt offering on the wall. And there came about great wrath against Israel. And they departed from him and returned to their own land. So we already saw Jehoshaphat get involved with a battle with the king of Israel, with Ahab, and really, really made a huge mistake. And of course, this is when the king is killed by a random arrow. Now he's doing it again with his son, going against another king, not using a lot of good judgment. Good intentions, maybe, to try and bring the people back together. And one of the things that you learn right away from this is it's um, everybody wants unity amongst the brethren, which is always a good thing. Israel, they were family, they were related. But when a certain group has gone apostate or gone after other gods and they are off not doing what God has called them to do, then God allows times of separation for his own will. And this was what Jehoshaphat needed to be learning, and he's not learning this yet. And um, we take away from this that um, not all churches are walking with God. They call themselves churches. Not all churches are doing what they're supposed to do and are holy unto the Lord. They're often chasing after foreign gods. The God, the, like Baal-Zebub, the God of Ekron. And we, we see these, these um, Moabites and stuff going after these false gods to the point where the king is willing to sacrifice his own son human sacrifice to offer up blood of his own son so that their gods might help them. This is how vile these gods were that Israel had fallen into. They were following after these same kind of gods. And and God wanted nothing to do that. Jehovah wanted nothing to do with that. This is why he's called it for this time a separation between the north and the south. Well, we see the beginning of, the, of Elisha, his ministry there. Uh, he's praying for a double portion, not out of pride. Most people don't think this was this was like Solomon when Solomon said, Lord, just grant me wisdom. It wasn't to 
try and be better or show off. It was like when you realize that you do not you do not have the ability that the person you're looking at had, like Solomon with his father, or like here uh, with Elijah with Elijah. Elisha, Elisha's going, I don't have the gifting. I don't have the knowledge to do what Elijah did. So I need double what you have because I'm so far behind my own understanding of God and my ability. So he asks for that. And of course, Elijah says, well, if you see me go up in the whirlwind, you'll get it. And there's so many things you can pull out of that. the, The fact that we see Elijah does not die, but he's taken up. The perfect, beautiful example of the rapture. And this is why so many people think that he will be one of the two prophets, or he will be one of the two prophets um, in the book of uh, Revelation. The other one, yeah, well, some people say it's got to be got to be Enoch because he never died, but we most likely it will be Moses because it will be the law and the prophets together. Moses' body was hid, and many people surmise that was because Satan couldn't get at it to mess with it. So it's there waiting for the resurrection still to this day. Nobody knows where it is. Interesting, right? So now we can move on to James in the book of James, the New Testament. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. Greetings, consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives it to all generously and without reproach. And it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. And the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But... The brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position and the rich man to glory in his humiliation because like flowering grass he will pass away for the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers with the grass and its flower falls off and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed so too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then, when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation of shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that he would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. But 
prove yourselves doers of the word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, is not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. And once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks himself to be righteous and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of the Lord and Father is this, to visit the orphans and the widows in their distress and keep oneself unstained by the world. So remember who's writing this. This is James. This is the brother of the Lord who had rejected him initially and not followed him in his ministry and thought he was crazy, thought he was nuts, and was only trying to follow the law as as far as he could understand by Moses. But then Jesus resurrects from the dead. Then he is humbled before the Lord and he realizes that he had it all wrong. He was following a Jewish established religion of obedience to a strict code. And he's he starts to realize, wait a minute, I had it wrong. What's needed, what's needed is to follow the law as it was intended. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And taking that out of the law and applying that now to understanding that Jesus had come from the Godhead and that one was to follow after him. And therefore, to look in the, in the mirror and forget what you saw at your own face. He says, don't be like the person who does that. Don't read the words that says we're supposed to love God and love people and help people and then say, yeah, I got it, and then turn away from that. And you don't live it out. So he says the person who loves God is going to persevere. There's going to come strong winds. There's going to come things. There's going to come persecution. Um, but you're to glory God and you're, uh, glorify God in what, you're, what you have, your, your uh, humble circumstances. And, and to know that the world that you're in is going to put you through trials. But when you do that, if you maintain your faith in the understanding of looking into the pure word of God and letting it guide you and show you who you are as a sinner, that you need to understand that God needs to end your life and you need to repent when you do that, then the evil that will come upon you will not tempt you. It will not overtake you. It will not deceive you. And so it's always interesting, we get caught up in this last part about pure and undefiled religion is to help the, the widow, uh, to help the orphan. And too many people have taken that to say, well, that's what it, all, all I need to do is just go out about and, and help people. But the core of it was about looking intently into the word and pulling out everything that was in there. The intent of the word, not just the outward instructions, but the intent was a heart after God and loving God and seeing what, what what was behind all those instructions to help us live a godly life. That's what James had missed. That's what he was getting back to. And this is why this is so important to him. So he says, it's not just about just having a faith and no works, just believing in God and not doing anything, nor is it about doing everything and not having a strong connection and belief 
and God and, and having a faith relationship. It's about the two of them working together. And in this, then you have what God intended for us to have. Okay, now Charles Spurgeon, John 10, 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We believe in the eternal security of the saints. First, because they are Christ, and he will never lose the sheep which he has bought with his blood and received of his Father. Next, because he gives them eternal life, and if it be eternal, well then, it is eternal. And there can be no end of it, unless there can be an end to hell and heaven and God. If spiritual life can die out, it is manifestly not eternal life, but temporary life. But the Lord speaks of eternal life, and that effectually shuts out the possibility of an end. Observe further that the Lord expressly says, they shall never perish. As long as words have a meaning, this secures believers from perishing. The most obstinate unbelief cannot force this meaning out of this sentence. Then, to make the matter complete, he declares that his people are in his hand, and he defies all enemies to pluck them out of it. Surely, it is a thing impossible even for the fiend of hell. We must be safe in the grasp of an almighty Savior. Be it ours to dismiss carnal fear as well as carnal confidence and rest peacefully in the hollow of the Redeemer's hand. Beautiful. And believe it or not, that's kind of my, in my own estimation, he's defining James. He is getting into the heart of James, of our security as we have come into what the true religion, if you want to use that word, I kind of prefer the relationship side of the uses of the word. But if if um, once we have looked into the pure word of God and we know that we are established and we are seeing the intent of the law and that is about loving God and about him loving people through us, then we are etern- eternally secure in his hands. And, and he gives us life and nobody and no force of hell can take that away from us it's a beautiful thought father thank you for this morning and for the many blessings we have in you god we pray that you do continue to guide us thank you father in jesus name amen okay there we go that does it for today and tomorrow's a travel day so probably won't have anything live if i have any chance at all i'll record something to put it out on the audio podcast but so I will look forward to seeing you guys uh, Sunday. So there's a good chance we might drop. We might get two, two behind, uh, two readings behind. I'm not sure yet. It's too much up in the air. But I'll give you the reading nonetheless. If you guys want to try and stay up on your own, that would be awesome. Okay, so tomorrow is 2 Kings 4 through 6. And Sunday is 7 through 9. So basically you have 2 Kings 4 through 9. And James 2 and 3. It's just continuing on. 2 Kings 4 through 9 and James 2 and 3. So I'm not sure going to get a chance to cover those before we get home. So God bless you guys. We'll see you Sunday morning. Bye-bye.